to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. If you would, open your Bibles to the book of the Psalms. The Psalms, I want you to go to the 34th Psalm. And I'm going to be reading the first three verses of Psalm 34. And uh, I appreciate so much you being here today um, in the service with us. And those of you who are watching online, uh, if you want to turn to Psalm 34, um, God gave me this message during the week. And so I'm just excited to bring it to you. Psalm 34, verses 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. I really want you to focus in on verse 3 because that's the verse that God brought to my attention. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Can the church say amen? All right, you can be seated. I want to begin by saying to you that I think that one of the most powerful and effective things that you can do as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ is to offer up praise and offer up worship to our Lord God. It's one of the most powerful things you can do. I mean, there are a lot of things you can do as a child of God, but to be able to to offer up the praise that God rightly deserves. We we did it this morning for how long? We we spent a great deal of this service singing and lifting our hands and clapping our hands and shouting out loud to the Lord because he's worthy and he deserves it. The person who wrote this psalm was King David. And of course, David was a praiser and a worshiper. And he would be sitting here amening me as I said this. He would agree with me that one of the most powerful things that any believer can do is offer up praise and worship to God. David did it all the time because he understood the importance of lifting up the Lord in adoration and praise. And if you study the life of David, if you read his Psalms, what you learn very, very quickly is that David did not see praise or worship as an event. He saw them as a lifestyle. Okay, so so we, we're here this morning for this service at I Praises. And then we're going to go on our way and eat lunch and do other things. So in our minds, if we're not careful, we, we, can, we can develop a theology that says, well, when I praise and worship, it's a church and that's a, an event. Sometimes we have worship night, which is one of my favorite things in the world. And I can't wait for when we have worship night again. I love worship night. Just for an hour and a half, we come in here and worship the Lord. It's unbelievable singing music. And we think that was a great event. And it was. And it's okay to have the praise and worship events. But David would say to you, don't just worship him on worship night. And don't just praise him on Sunday morning. But praise him when you get up before church. And praise him when you go home. And praise him on the way to work tomorrow morning. And praise him during your lunch break. And praise him when you go home. Praise him when you're on vacation. Praise him when you're sitting in a deer stand. Or while you're pushing a a cart down the aisles at at a local retail store. Learn how to just praise him and worship him. And lift him up and exalt him at any time at any place. Because worship should be a lifestyle. David knew that he was nothing without God. God took him as a little lowly shepherd boy and turned him into the king of Israel. And so David, because of that, wasn't going to arrogantly boast about his achievements. He wasn't going to say, look at me and what I've done. 
David only longed to brag about God and what he had done in his life. And so let me just stop right here and be a pastor and a minister and preach and just say, if you are one of those people that has a problem with uh, bragging about yourself and who you are and what you've accomplished and what you have, let me just give you a good strong word, stop it. Number one, it makes you look dumb. Number two, nobody likes it. Amen, Pastor. Boy, it got real quiet in here. But number three, everything you have and all that you are, you need to give Jesus credit. Because whatever you have, the Lord, Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so anything we have, it all came from God. And so that's what David was saying. We need to just bless, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Just God help me, just help me, Lord, when I wake up in the morning and say, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. When I go to bed and I say, God, what a great day. Just thank you for helping me today. And help us, Lord, just to, you don't have to walk around going, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, glory be to God. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, glory. That would be, that would sound stupid. You know, don't do that. Live your life. But just in those moments, those opportune moments, take those times to express your worship to the Lord. Now, as I said, those are the first two verses, but it's verse 3 that really caught my attention this week. When I was in prayer, I was in prayer, and the Lord really dealt with me. And so I want to talk about that third verse for just a minute. David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. You know, we use terms in church, and a lot of times we don't even know what we're talking about. Let's magnify the Lord. What does that mean? Well, I think most of us know what to magnify means. It means to make bigger to increase, that's what it means in the Hebrew language, to make great. That's probably the greatest way to describe it, to make great, even to promote. So, if that's true, when you magnify the Lord, you ascribe greatness to Him. You declare His greatness. You talk about who He is and what He's done and what He can do and how powerful He is. You give God credit for the awesome and powerful God that He is. Let me just ask you this morning, this Pentecostal church, how many of you will testify with a glory or hallelujah, whatever you feel like doing, that our God is a great God? He's a great God. I mean, there is no God like Jehovah. And the Bible says that he's a great God. Second Chronicles 16.25 says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And I've admonished you many times. When you come to church or anytime you're going to worship the Lord, don't give him a half praise. Don't give him a three-quarter praise. Don't, 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 don't come to church and stick your hands in your pocket and everybody's clapping or raising their hands and you're just standing there, whether it's defiantly or just not just being cognitive. Listen, you're in the presence of Jehovah. Okay, this is the house of God. This is not work. This is not your house. This isn't, this isn't Lowe's and you're walking through the plumbing section. You are standing in the presence of God on holy ground. And when you come in here, okay, there needs to be awareness that you're in the presence of God and you take your hands out of your pocket and you say, I want to magnify the Lord and lift the Lord. And, and you open your mouth and say, hallelujah, I praise you, Lord, I glorify you. You give compliments to God because God is great. Great is the Lord. He deserves a great praise. And you don't want to ever leave the house of God and, and, and then say, man, I only gave him like 50% today. I mean, you ought to be spent a little bit when you leave the house of God. You ever thought about that? You ought to be spent a little bit. Why do you look so tired? I don't know. I just praised him. I mean, I sang to the top of my lungs. I was clapping my hands. I jumped up and down a little bit. 
I, I got danced. I got excited. I yelled hallelujah 14 times. I mean, whoo, I'm going to have to go home and take a nap. Come on, because God is great and greatly to be praised. Uh, Jeremiah 10, 6 says, there is none like you, O Lord. You are great and great is your name and might. Jeremiah 32, 17, ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth, and by your great power and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult for you. And so I want to declare something today. The God we serve is a great God, and God is greater than whatever you will face in this life. He's greater than any problem. He's greater than any health crisis. He's greater than any financial situation. He's greater than any challenge that comes against you. He's greater than any struggle you find yourself in, any conflict you find yourself in, any enemies that come against you. He's greater than any temptation you face that tries to take you out morally. God is greater. And the reason I tell you that is because sometimes, and Lee and I live where you live, okay, sometimes you're going to face things that, that, that by the sheer size and magnitude and force, you're going to feel like that thing that situation, that person, that complexity, that complication is greater than you are. And that happens when you say, I don't have an answer. I don't have a solution. I don't have anybody to call. I don't have anybody to go to. I've exhausted all my resources. I don't know what to do. And that happens sometimes. And when it does, how should you respond? I'm here to tell you today in this one little verse, verse 3 of Psalm 34, you should magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord when you find yourself in the crisis. What does a magnifying glass do? It makes things bigger. So that little bitty tiny stamp that you see on the screen gets bigger and you can see it in detail because the magnifying glass enlarges it. Now, does the magnifying glass actually enlarge the item? No. What it does, it doesn't change the item. It changes your perspective. It changes your vision. It helps you to see things clearer. It helps you to see things better. And listen, there are times in your life when your negative circumstances are drowning you, and when that occurs, it requires a magnification of God because you are so focused on the problem, so focused on the failure of solutions that are earthly, so focused on, on the magnitude of this thing and, and all the negative consequences that you're not seeing that God is greater than your situation. But as you praise the Lord and worship the Lord, your perspective shifts. And as you magnify God and you make him bigger, then you realize that God is greater than your issue and he has the power to overcome it and the power to see you through it. But you have to magnify him. You have to make him greater than whatever it is that you're facing right now. Um. There is a truth that everybody here can understand that the farther away you are from something, the smaller it appears. The farther away you are from something, the smaller it appears. But the closer you get to something, then the bigger it gets, the larger it grows. I'll give you an example. It's a little funny. Uh, if you stand, you know, a lot of places in, in, in upstate, you can look off up in the north, northwest, and you can see mountains. Now, just by the eye, if I look at the mountains, they seem small. 
because they're only about that big, right? When, when you're looking at them, they're only about that big when you're miles away. But if you get in your car and drive up through North Greenville or Oconee County and you start going up, getting closer, the closer you get to the mountains, the bigger the mountains get. Until by the time you get there, they're gigantic, they're enormous, they're massive. They're way bigger than you are. They're way bigger than you ever could have seen or imagined. The closer you get, the bigger they are. Let me just give a spiritual truth here. Depending on how close you are to God, that's how much you'll trust him in the crisis. If you've gotten far away from the Lord, and you're not praying like you should, and you're not reading your Bible like you should, and you're not spending time with the Lord, and, and you're just, your spiritual existence experience is a Sunday morning experience, so it's kind of a once a week with God, you're not real close to the Lord. And when something hits you, it's going to seem massive. But if you'll pray and magnify the Lord and praise and worship God, what happens is you'll start getting close to the Lord. You commune and fellowship with the Lord, and the closer you get to the Lord, the bigger he gets. And the bigger he gets, he, he gets bigger than whatever it is that it was big in your life weighing you down. He gets bigger. And by the time you get up close to him and you see him in all of his power and his glory and you realize he is El Shaddai, God Almighty, then you say, you know what? God's got this. I don't have to worry about any of this at all. God is bigger than what I'm facing in my life. I know that we are in November and we're just uh, a short time away from Christmas hard to believe, isn't it? And so I'm going to give you a pre-Christmas story. In Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, who was probably a little teenage girl, with the announcement, the annunciation, it's called, that she would give birth to the Son of God, the Messiah. And to Mary's credit, she said, let it, let it happen. I believe this, and I'm, I'm, I'm willing to participate May it, may it be your servant, to your servant, just as your word has been. And she accepted. And this, this powerful moment, you, you're gonna, the over, Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and that thing will be born for you, will be called the Son of God. Powerful moment with an angelic being, supernatural moment, boom, the angel disappeared. Now, I'm sure right then she was feeling pretty good and overwhelmed and spiritual. But I don't know, a few hours went by. She went to bed that night, got up the next morning, Rolled out of bed and looked and said, I don't look pregnant. I don't feel pregnant. Did that happen? That almost seems surreal. Was that a dream? Did the angel really appear to me? Did the angel really say that I'm going to be the mother of the Son of God? I, I, I'm not even sure. I, I, I mean, I, I believe it happened, and I believe God, but I'm not even, I'm not even questioning. How is this going to happen? I don't understand this. I don't understand. He, he told me these things, and he left, and he didn't give me any details, and now I just can't figure it out, and the reality is now I've got so many questions. I've got more questions than I do answers. Anybody ever found yourself in that place in life? Oh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, where you, you grab a hold of a promise of God. All right, maybe something's going on in your life and she said, hey, but God promised me this, and you grab a hold of that promise, and you're praying, you're trusting God. It's not that you're not walking in faith. But you just trust in God, but time's going by, and things aren't getting any better, and things aren't changing, and you start saying, well, God, how's this going to work? You know, I'm trusting you, and I thought you would turn this thing around. I don't understand what's happening. 
God, help me here. Okay? And so that's kind of what's happening with Mary. And so Mary, um, sometimes we say, God, I've got more questions than I do answers. So Mary, the Bible says in Luke 1, left just a few days after this and went to see her cousin Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth was married to Zacharias, and they were old. They were well beyond childbearing years, but God had said, you're going to have a supernatural experience. Elizabeth, you're going to get pregnant in your old age with a baby who shall be the forerunner of the Son of God. It was John the Baptist. So I don't know how old she is. I'm going to say 65. 65 years old. Okay, most women are through having babies at 65. We're talking about a biological impossibility. And yet, Elizabeth finds herself pregnant. And she has a baby in her womb. Her cousin, her little cousin, uh, Mary, is going to visit her. And so she goes to visit her cousin. Now, there were no doorbells. You just yelled. And so she got to the courtyard. And she said, Elizabeth, it's me, Mary. I'm here. I've come to visit you. And when that moment happened, Elizabeth is walking to the door to greet Mary. And about that time, the Bible says the Holy Ghost came on Elizabeth. God filled that woman with the Holy Spirit. You want to talk about a Pentecostal experience before Jesus had even shown up yet, this woman is filled with the Holy Ghost. Woo, God, I feel the Holy Ghost just talking about it. I mean, the power of God hit that woman. I don't guess she spoke in tongues. The Bible didn't say she spoke in tongues, but it didn't matter. God filled her with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says something else happened supernaturally. That John the Baptist, that little baby in her womb, heard the voice of the mother of God, the woman who would be the mother of God, and the baby leaped in her womb. The baby felt the time. As a matter of fact, the baby was filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't tell me children can't get baptized with the Holy Ghost. If God can fill a baby in a womb with the Holy Ghost, he can baptize our children. He can baptize our students with the Holy Ghost and fire. And, and so she's full of the Holy Ghost. And she doesn't know that there was an angel. She doesn't know what's happened to Mary. They didn't have telephones back then. And she just showed up. And all of a sudden, in a word of knowledge, the Holy Spirit reveals everything to Elizabeth that's going on with Mary. Everything. And I'm not going to preach all of it. That woman started prophesying and preaching and declaring a word of knowledge to her and speaking over her and as if she knew everything that happened. But the last line is what I want to I say to you. Here's what she said to Mary. She said, blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told to her from the Lord. You know what was happening? Mary was trying to walk in faith, but this thing was big. She, it was bigger than her. It was an incredible responsibility. She didn't understand how it was going to work. She was wrestling with some things, but God knew that, and the Lord filled her cousin with the Spirit of God, and God spoke to her through the Holy Spirit to allay those doubts and to get rid of all the questions and to let her know, if I've said it, you just keep on believing because I will bring it to pass. Hallelujah. And then the next 10 verses are what are often called the Magnificat or Mary's song. 
And I'm not going to preach Mary's song, but I am going to tell you the first things that came out of that little teenage girl's mouth. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. After she got that prophetic word from Elizabeth, the first thing Mary said was this, my soul magnifies the Lord. <laughs> Woo! She felt like she's in a black church. My soul, I can hear an organ in the background. My soul magnifies the Lord. Hallelujah. You know what she was doing? She was saying to the Lord and to Elizabeth, I had some doubts. I had some struggles. I've been trying to walk in faith, but when you showed up, Elizabeth, and the Holy Ghost showed up, and God reaffirmed and assured me, I'm just going to make him big right now because he's big enough to cause this to happen. He's big enough to bring me through this pregnancy. He's bringing it big enough to bring the Son of God into this world as a child. I don't have to worry about it anymore. God is greater. Hallelujah. Come on, give him praise in this house this morning. My soul magnifies the Lord. Hallelujah. And I guess it may have been right then that it hit her, that what the angel said to her one-on-one made sense now. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Then David said, let us exalt his name together. Now, you probably know what exalt means. It means to raise up, to extol, to lift up to elevate, to make, and I think this is the one that probably is the, to make high and powerful. High and powerful, exalt. Let's exalt the Lord. We sing, we'll sing about exalting the Lord. We just sang an older song. We tied it in with that new song. I exalt thee. You know, we sing that I exalt thee. Do we even know what we're talking about? So I want to take you to another psalm to help to describe this. It's Psalm 99 verse 5. It helps us to understand. This is what Psalm 99 verse 5 says. Exalt the Lord our God. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Now, If you read Psalm 99, it paints the picture of God as a mighty king. With all power and all authority. Seated on a throne, ruling and reigning over everything and everyone on this earth. Nothing extends beyond the scope of his royal domain. He's high and lifted up, seated above you, seated above your circumstance, seated above your challenge, seated above your problem, your your perplexity, your difficulty. He's higher than it all. And then Psalm 99.5 tells us two things. Number one, your responsibility when you're in the crisis is to view God as your king. View God as your king. Now, we love to view him as our savior and our healer and our provider. But do you understand today that God's your king? We're in a, we're in a, in a democratic republic, and, and so we're used to voting and electing. We've got an election coming here in a few days, and we're, you know, we're, we, we overthrew a king named George so we could have what we call the United States of America. But in the kingdom of God, it's not a democracy. Nobody will ever vote out Jesus. And he doesn't need your vote to get in. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so he is the king, and we have to see him. And, and so that's what it means to exalt him. When you exalt him, then you see him as king. Does that make sense to y'all? You see him as king. He's high. He's lifted up. He, he's higher than you. He's more powerful than you. He's in charge. You're not. He's in control. You wished you were. 
Because you may feel like something is high and looming over you. Have you ever had that horrible feeling when it's just the anticipation that something is about to come crashing down on you in life? It is a horrible feeling. It's up here and it's about to come crashing down and rock your world. But when you exalt Jesus, whatever's up here that wants to crash down, God's up there, right above it. With the power to either stop it from crashing down or to protect you when it does. You make him higher than whatever it is that you're facing. Now listen to me. You make him superior to whatever it is you're facing. Magnify means you make him greater. To exalt makes him superior. There's nothing that will ever be superior to God. God is always superior. And so your responsibility is always view God as your king. Here's the second one. The way to lift him up is to go down. Psalm 95, let me read it again. It says, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. So the idea of that word worship is to bow down. That's what that word worship means, bow down. So exalt the Lord your God and lift him up, but while you're doing it, bow yourself down at his footstool. See, the king had a throne, but he put his feet on a footstool. And so if you ever got in the presence of the king, the closest you would get would be to the footstool. And when you got to his feet, you would bow down before him. And not only are you honoring the king and reverencing the king, but when you get down here, the king's up here. Sometimes our problem is we come into the presence of God standing high and tall, still thinking we're something, and we can handle it when the king says, that's not how you come in my presence. You come in my presence and you bow at my footstool and you lift me up. When you bow down, you lift him up. And so when you, so when the, you ever had, you ever gone through something where the weight of it is so heavy that it feels like it's pushing you down? If you have it, just keep living. It'll come. Where you just feel your shoulders are like this and your face is long and you're just barely able to make it because this thing is just weighing on you. Well, when you're under a weighty circumstance that's pushing you down, just go on, go on down. Just go on down with it and get on your knees and bow before the footstool and look up to the king and turn your weighty situation into a worship experience. And start praising him and start worshiping him in the midst of it all. And as you lift him up and you start looking at him and who he is and realize you are awesome. You have all authority. You have all power. Nothing can ever tell you no. There's nobody or anything that can resist you effectively. You are God. When that happens, then faith rises up inside of you. and You can make it through the situation. Now you may say, well, Pastor, how in the world, <laughs> how in the world am I supposed to Praise God and worship God when I'm in the middle of a storm, when I'm hurting, when I'm in pain, when I'm struggling. Well, there is a way to do it. And again, it's about perspective on God. You have to look at who he is. He is holy. Exalt the Lord of God and worship him. He is holy. And the holiness of God means that God is different from you. He's other than you are. Nothing in all creation is like him. 
It also means that he's perfectly pure and sinless and righteous. But there's two, it's dual meanings. But it means that there's nobody, there is no, there's, you know how we sing that? As a matter of fact, we sing that song. There is no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. The Lord brought that song to my memory when I was preparing for this. There is none more able, Christ our Savior, great and glorious. Little war chant. There is no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. Because there is nobody like our God. There's none, none at all. And sometimes we forget how unique he is. And if you're ever guilty of just categorizing him with anything and everything else, you've got to stop that. Because God is God and God alone. He deserves to be worshipped and praised. And you know that song, there is no one higher, no one greater, no one like him. Let me just teach you something. I told Pastor Billy this. I said, y'all have us magnified and exalted all the time. And I said, you doing that song? He said, really? I said, yeah. There is no one higher, exaltation. There is no one greater, magnification. No one like our God, he is holy. See what I'm saying? We sing, and when we realize we're singing, we were magnifying the Lord when we sing that song. We, we, were, we, were, we, were, we were exalting him and lifting up when we sing that song. And there's power in that. When we do that, that God uses to build our faith and help us to get through whatever we're going through and realize that he is. Because, see, when you lift him up, his presence and his glory always comes down. I may, I may carry Jesus with me all the time, but I sure like it when he shows up in power. I like it when he shows up in presence. I don't know about you, but I like the tingle touch. I like the goosebumps. I like it when I feel the anointing like liquid honey go flowing through my body. I like that touch. And if you've never had that, you need to get an altar and pray until you have experienced it. When you move into that spiritual dimension where your body, when the natural meets the supernatural, and sometimes it's more than the natural can stand, you experience the presence and the power of God, that's what will help you to be able to make it through whatever you're going through. Because as you magnify him and exalt him, then God will turn around and touch you and give you what you need. Now, I want to close with this. There is within that little verse, oh, magnify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name together. There is within that little verse a little subtle message that if you're not careful, you could miss it. We can't ignore it. You are called to worship and magnify the Lord, not just by yourself, but with others. David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Now, it's good to worship the Lord when you're by yourself and your prayer time, praise time, whatever, riding down the road. But you need to do it with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And here's why. Because sometimes, because of what you're in, you don't feel like praising him. You don't feel like worshiping. You, it, it took everything in you just to get to church. I've been there. Lee and I live where you live. There have been times things are so heavy, all you want to do is just stay home, curl up in front of the TV or stay in bed or whatever, and that's the enemy trying to hold you down. When you get in those places where your faith is struggling and you're in a hard place, that's when you need to get to the house of God 
And we, that's why we sing every Sunday and we magnify the Lord and we exalt the Lord because we can help you magnify and exalt the Lord. So as we're singing the songs and we're singing about how great God is and we're singing about how high and superior he is and he's the king, he's in charge and he's in control, what we're doing helps you and your faith so that when you walked in, you were low, but when you leave, God does something in your spirit and you say, you know, when I walked in, I didn't feel very good, but I'm glad I went to church today because I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. See, that's why you need to worship and praise the Lord. That's why you need to be at church, and that's why you need to be a praiser and a worshiper, because you just don't know how when you praise him, what kind of effect it could have on somebody. There was, there, there was in front of me in the first service a, a couple, and uh, I was praising the Lord, but two or three times while we were singing, that man, I know him, know him personally, know him well. Threw his hand up. He was worshiping the Lord, and I, it blessed me. He blessed me. And I looked around the room a few other people, and I said, man, it just blesses me. I see some of these people where God's brought them from, and, and just to see them. And I looked at some people, and I said, I remember when they, you couldn't get them to raise their hand for squat. They wouldn't raise their hand for a free donut. But God's done a work in their life, and I've discipled them, and I've looked at some people. Now they got their hands up, and I'm thinking, glory, hallelujah, that blesses me. Now let me tell you something. This morning, while we were singing and glorifying God with those songs, you may have had your hands up. You may have been glorifying worship of the Lord, saying hallelujah, clapping your hands and just soaking up his presence and magnifying and exalting. What you don't know is somebody sitting behind you may have been low and struggling and having the hardest time of life, but they watched you magnify the Lord and lift up the Lord, and what you were doing touched them. You don't even know the ministry you may have had this morning in helping somebody to get through what they're going through. There's something powerful in corporate worship. There's something powerful in corporate praise. That's why we name this church, among other reasons, High Praises. High Praises. Exalted praises. I don't want to pastor a church where people come in and you, you, all you men have your hands in your pocket. You won't clap and you won't sing. You won't do nothing. You look like a mule staring at a new gate. I don't want a church like that. I want some men full of the fire and the Holy Ghost who say, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm in the house of God. He's my Jesus. He saved my soul. And I'm going to raise my hands, clap my hands. If I want to jump up and down and run these aisles, I will because he's my Savior and my King. I, didn't, I don't want to pastor a church with a bunch of women that are self-conscious and all dressed up and afraid, looking around, see if anybody's looking at you. Nobody's looking at you. We turn the lights down. Nobody can see you. Nobody wants to look at you anyway. We came in here to look at Jesus. I want some women who come in here saying, I don't care about what anybody thinks. He's been good to me all week. He's given me beautiful children and wonderful husband, and I've got a great job, and my life is good, and God's been good to me. brought me through a financial crisis, brought me through a health situation. He blessed me this week with a blessing I didn't see coming. I'm going to magnify him and exalt him and lift him. I don't care what anybody thinks. I've come to praise and magnify Jesus in this house. Hallelujah. Because there's power when that happens in here. The devil trembles when high praises lives up to its name. I need to get a sermon called Live Up to Your Name, don't I? It, 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 the devil trembles when, when, when we live up to our name. People can get saved when we live up to our name. People, backsliders can come home when we live up to our name. Somebody can get healed or get a miracle or get delivered from an addiction or a bondage when we live up to our name. Let's live up to our name, high praises, every Sunday and give him the glory and praise that he alone deserves. Come on, somebody. 
Hallelujah. There is a story in Second uh, Chronicles 20 that I want to tell you as I, come, as I complete this message. Uh, in the Old Testament, I started thinking about this. In the Old Testament, kings would go to battle against other kings and their armies. And, uh, and they would take the army and the armies would fight against other armies. Okay? And uh, the kings would lead the warriors into battle. And when you say warrior or soldier, there are certain things that are associated with those words, like fighting, resisting the enemy, standing your ground, battle fatigued. Um, I lost my notes. I'll tell you the rest of it. Intensity. That was one I wanted to get. Intensity. Warfare is intense. That's why people come at it with a PTSD, because of just the intensity of it. Shell shocked and whatnot. That's what you think about with fighting and being a warrior and being a soldier. Let me just stop right there. Being weary and worn and battle weary, battle fatigue. Doesn't that sound sometimes how life like how life can get? It is, isn't it? You're fighting the devil, you're fighting the enemy, you're fighting the forces of this world, you're trying to fight for your kids, you're, you're trying to teach them the right thing to do, and it seems like everything in the world's coming against you. And you're just, you're just trying, it's just a struggle, and sometimes you have battle fatigue, you get weary, you get worn, it's just always about resisting and standing your ground and, 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 and coming against the devil, praying to heads around your kids, it's, it, can, it can just, it can wear you down. It happens. But what I read is that sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes God wouldn't just send the king and the army in, he would send in the praise team too. And 2 Chronicles has that, has that story, chapter 20. Okay, so the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the people of Mount Seir decide they're going to attack the children of Judah. And so they muster their armies and head that way. And the news comes to King Jehoshaphat. I dare any woman in this church to name her son Jehoshaphat. Please. Do not do that to that child. Jehoshaphat. And so King Jehoshaphat hears the news, and immediately this disturbs him. This army is much bigger than their army. And he goes to the Lord. And so I went, and this morning, Pastor Billy, before I came to church, I said, I want to read it again. And I read the story again, and it is amazing. That man, that king, went into the presence of the Lord, and the first thing he did was magnify God and exalt God. Go read it. He said, God, you are great. He started talking about all the great things he did. And you are the king and you're high lifted up. Go read it. It is amazing. I thought this man knows how to magnify and exalt God. And then this is what he said. He said, God, we're in trouble. I'm going to read verse 12. Oh, our Lord God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. Our eyes are upon you. He said, I don't have an answer. I don't have an army. I don't have the military. I don't have the warfare. Uh, the weapons of war that we need, I don't have any of it. If I go out there, we're going to get slaughtered. God, I don't know what to do, but I know you're great, and I lift you up and I exalt you. We need your help. And he got the people together, and he was telling them, and they were, they were praying and seeking the Lord, and the Holy Ghost moved on a prophet named Jehaziel, and the Spirit of the Lord moved to that prophet. He started speaking, and he said, let me tell you what you need to do. The Lord says, don't you be afraid of this enemy. It's bigger, it's, more, it's stronger, it's, it has more power, more weapons. 
but don't you be afraid of this. I know it's intimidating. I know it's, I know it's scary. I know it's scary. Come on, sometimes things in life can be scary, y'all. But he said, don't you worry about it because this time the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. And the Lord's going to fight this battle. All you got to do is just stand still and watch and see what happens. Pastor Billy, you know what happened? You go read it. When that happened and they got that word from the Lord, the Bible says that the Levites, who evidently were responsible for the music, they broke out and started churching. Now, they didn't really church, but that's what I'd say. They started churching. The Bible says they broke out singing. They had a worship night breakout. And they started singing and magnifying God and lifting him up. They're about to go into a battle with an army that's two or three times bigger than them. They just started having a worship service. See, that's what I'm preaching to you. Sometimes you got to praise him before you go to battle. And sometimes you got to praise him in the midst of the battle. That's exactly what they did. So the next morning they got up, King Jehoshaphat mustered the army. And he said, y'all stay right here. And he picked up the phone and he called Pastor Billy. Pastor Billy answered the phone. He said, Billy, this is King Jehoshaphat. Pastor Billy said, oh, hello, hello, King. What can I do for you? Well, you still got that awesome praise team and band. and Yeah, 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 we got them over here at High Praises Church. Good, I need you to come over here to the battlefield. I need you all here pronto. Bring the whole group. Bring the whole group. Bring the whole group. Okay, are, you doing a, are we doing a USO concert or for the troops or, or what are we doing? No, you were going into battle and you're going, you're going in first. Pastor Billy, 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 pick up the phone. This is the king. Pick the phone up, Billy. There he is. Billy, you got the phone? Yes, yes, sir. Okay. Did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. Okay. I, so you want me to send the team over? Do I have to come? Yes, Pastor Billy, you got to come. You, you're the leader. Bring them over. Okay. Billy calls Jennifer and Kyle and Don and all these, Jared and Yvette and Jaron and Tim. He calls all of them, the band. Y'all get your instruments. And so that morning, here's the warriors. Armor, swords, spears, and tents, ready to go into battle. Here comes the praise team. Carrying guitars and amps. Billy's got his portable keyboard under. All right, King, I'm here. What do you want? I want you to lead us into battle. And the praise team looked at Billy and said, you didn't tell us this. You just said we had a gig. Pastor Billy, one of them said, Pastor Billy, I've lost my call in the music ministry. I'm going to work in the children's department. I want to change diapers. Pastor Billy, the praise team and the band, all of them, they got their instruments, and they got out ahead of the army. <laughs> and the praise team said, what do we do? He said, we do what we do best. We're going to sing and magnify and exalt the Lord. Let's do this one. And he picked a number. And so the praise team said, y'all ready back there? And the soldier said, whoo. That sounds like something warriors would do. Like watching movie 300. Smack that shield. So they gave the rhythm. And while they were marching in rhythm, the praise team's going out singing, There is no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. 
There is none more able. Christ the Savior, great and glorious. And they're moving closer and closer to this massive army with people that hate them and want to kill them. But the praise team prayed through and got the victory and realized what the man of God had said. We're not even going to... We're not even going to sling a spear. We're not even going to swing a sword. There's not going to be anything on our... God's got this one. There is no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. And they're getting closer and closer. And the Ammonites and the Moabites and the Mount Seir can hear them off in the distance. They can hear them off in the distance. Here they come. But that's not the war cry here. That sounds like, that sounds like singing. I don't understand. That sounds like music. I don't get it. I, that, that, that's not supposed to happen in war. There should be a, there should be a war cry, and they, the soldiers come running. There is no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. And they just singing and magnifying and exalting God as they're moving in to face whatever it is that wants to destroy them. But they're going to face it because God said, I'm going to bring you through, and the battle is not yours, but that the battle is mine, says the Lord. And here's what the Bible says happened. As they got closer... They couldn't even get close enough for the battle. Somebody in the Mount Seir camp said something about somebody's mama in the Ammonite camp. Now that's not in the Bible, but I'm preaching it. Something happened. We don't know what, so I'm, you say something about somebody's mama, now them, them are fighting words. And so he said something about some Ammonite's mama, and the Moabite said, you hear what he said about your mama? He said, yeah. And the next thing you know, the Ammonites and the Moabites got furious, kind of like that brawl that happened between Missouri and the Florida football team yesterday. They're supposed to be out there fighting on the gridiron. They start fighting each other. Next thing you know, the Mount Seir people are fighting against the Moabites and the Ammonites, and the Moabites and the Ammonites wiped them all out. They have even forgot about the children of Judah. Well, they got done, and somebody looked down. There was some spoil there, some loot. And the Ammonite guy said, whoa, I want that. And the Moabite said, no, that's mine. He said, no, that's mine. That's mine. That's mine. No, that's mine. Give it to me. And they start fighting. Well, his cousin came over and tried to help him out. Well, then this guy's nephew came over and tried to help him out. And then this guy's troop came over to help them out. And then this guy's troop. And the next thing you know, the Ammonites and the Moabites were fighting each other. Meanwhile, all the people of God kept doing was singing, there is no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. Were they stressing? No, they were singing. Were they worrying? No, they were worshiping. There is none more able, Christ our Savior, great and glorious. Hallelujah. And by the time they got to the battlefield, they looked and there was no army, just corpses laying everywhere and God set ambushes against the Ammonites and the Moabites and the Mount Seir and they killed each other and God gave them the victory and they never had to fight one time hallelujah I want you to stand with me this morning God gave them the victory God will give you the victory if God came through for them, then God will come through for you. If, if they could praise 
and magnify and exalt their way to victory, then y'all, there's a lesson to be learned here. You can magnify God and exalt your way to a victory in your life. Whatever it is you need, God is able. So I want to give this kind of altar call this morning. If you are here in this house and you say, Pastor Chris, I'm in the middle of something. I don't care what the something is. Financial crisis, health crisis, marital crisis, relational crisis. My kids are giving me a fit. My job, I'm having problems at my job. I don't know. Personal problems, spiritual problems. I I don't care. If you are in the middle of something, regardless of what it is, here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm inviting you. I'm asking you to step out of your seat and to come to this altar and spend some time magnifying and exalting Jesus and trusting him because I want you to leave this altar with faith and confidence in God. And here's what this church is going to do, this praise team is going to do. We're going to sing that song. We're going to sing in a bunch. And we're going to sing and we're going to magnify God and exalt God with you. We're going to exalt his name together, you and I. And when you leave here, I'm believing that what happens in this service and what happens in these altars will be so transformative, so powerful, that yes, your circumstance may be the same when you leave here, but your perspective will be different and you'll say God's bigger and God's superior and God's got this and I don't have to worry about it anymore because the battle is not mine, but the battle is the Lord's. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.